we are in the book of Joshua. And we are going to, we, we are almost halfway through, but after, after to this morning, we're going to be well past halfway through. This morning, we're going to do something a little different. You know, we've, we've got through, you know, some of the best chapters, I think, of Joshua already. And, and one temptation is just to stop because we're, we're about to get into the land being dealt out and, and who's, who's going to be, you know, get which lands. And that takes about seven chapters. Who's read the whole book of Joshua recently? Anyone done that recently? So you kind of know it's like, wow, this kind of gets to be the uh, part of Joshua. You know, Gad gets this land and from this city to this city to this city to this city. So what we're going to do this morning is a survey of the book of Joshua from chapters 12 to chapters 19. If you've ever, ever taken a Bible college class, a survey is just kind of an overview of what's happening. Um, as we go through each chapter just quickly, we'll, I'll point out one or two little things in that, in that uh, chapter, kind of a mini message and something that, that we should be aware of. So we're going to move quickly through Joshua chapter 12 through chapter 19. Father, as we get into this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. There's a lot of things to speak to us through this, this part. And as I touch on something, Lord, I pray that you would remind us in the week maybe to re go and restudy that particular passage and see what it is that you might be stirring up in our hearts as individuals, God. Pray your blessing upon your word. Your word is life, even in the times, in the portions that don't seem like there's a lot of uh, things in there for us. Sometimes you have something rich. Bless the time in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things we're, we're, we find out, you find out when you read the Bible, especially if, if you are really paying attention, is that it's not always exactly chronological. And that really is difficult because you'll be reading about things. That's what we're going to find out right here. In the book of Joshua, they'll be talking about the dispersion of the lands, but it's not necessarily right in a row. Sometimes there's years in between this. We're going to be covering some chapters where it's talking about who gets all the different parts of the land, but they haven't even conquered that portion of the land. Then you get into the book of Judges, which starts out, we're not going to be going through the book of Judges, but starts out kind of recapping a couple of the battle campaigns or part of Joshua, and it comes all the way back, the beginning of the book of Judges comes all the way back to like chapter 14, chapter 15 of Joshua, and, and it talks about things that have already happened. And so sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you, you need to understand that it's talking about something that already happened prior to, and they're just talking about it again. And there's a couple things we'll find out in, in that. A couple historical things about the book of Joshua. We've probably covered this already, but uh, Joshua, the whole book of Joshua takes about 25 years from beginning to end. And where we're at right now, even though they are just kind of summarizing where we're about to be this morning, the, ki the, conquer, the kings and the lands conquered, is about five years after they actually entered into the promised land. So we're going to be finding out that this is about five years in, that, that a lot of the battles that we've already been talking about take, a, take a, uh, place over a period of about five years. So let's see here. So Judges, Judges is in there. When, when you, if you want to go and read Judges chapter 1 and 2, um, it talks about some of the things we're talking about in chapters 15 and 16 this morning. And at the end of Joshua, we're not going to get there all the way today, Joshua dies um, Joshua dies at about the age of 110 years old. So some of you have a lot of good years left on you. And in fact, one of the things, it's, it's really interesting in the very beginning, um, actually it's in, in chapter 13, it says that, Mo, that Joshua was old and advanced in years, Joshua 13.1. He's probably 
about 90 years old right in these chapters that we're going over today. And so when he entered the promised land, he was 85, we figure, about 85 years old. Caleb was probably 80 years old when he entered into the promised land to begin the conquering. We're going to get to the story about Caleb, and, and he's an amazing guy. So he's an encouragement to us that he still was full of the life of the Lord. And so, so that's a couple of overviews. Chapter 12, like I said, this is going to be a survey, so I'm going to touch uh, briefly on each chapter. Chapter 12 is talking about the kings that were conquered by Moses. So remember, Moses is already dead, so this is just going over what happened, talking about how the land was conquered. So there's really, we're not going to really read anything in chapter 12, but if, if you read it, it just goes through from areas and kings that Moses conquered. And um, well, I'll put up a map in a little bit. I don't want to get it up there yet. But remember, Moses conquered the stuff on the east side of the Jordan, on the, uh, on the right side of your map. And then Joshua and the, and the children of Israel go over and they conquer the rest that's on the west side. And, and we're going to show up a map and we'll, we'll show, look at some of those things. So chapter 12 is all about the kings conquered by Moses first and then Joshua. And so then starting in chapter 13, I want to hit a few things in here. Um, so Joshua was old and advanced in years, verse 1. And the Lord said to him, this is a nice thing the Lord says, you're old. You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Thank you, God, for pointing that out. And that's actually a quick thing for, for some of us that you maybe you feel that the Lord has even spoken that to you. You know, you're getting older. And, and I think God would say, listen, yes, you're getting old. You're getting older, but there is still much for you to do. Our lives are not over until he calls us home. So it doesn't matter what place you are in life. God is not done and he has a plan just like Joshua and he wants to see it through. I encourage you, and this is going to be kind of what today is, a whole bunch of little mini messages, mini things, just grab onto them. I encourage you to seek the Lord and say, God, I'm not done. You're not done with me. So help me to know what you have for me to do in this stage of my life. There is still land for you to conquer and he will give you the strength to do that. All of us. Amen. And then he begins to go on. He says, this is the land that yet remains. And he goes through the list of all of the things, all the lands that still remain. And that can be a little overwhelming, of course, um, as he begins to say all the things that he wants to do. But remember, when he says that to us, when he says it to Joshua, it's God that wants to do the work. He's looking for us to be willing and available. That's our part. Willing and available. Um, and then he begins to go and starting in verse 8, talking about the land divided east of the Jordan, which again, that's the other side. And so he starts talking about the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and all the territory they, they've got. And so, and then uh, starting in, in uh, and it goes all the way through. Now, again, this isn't a, a huge chapter. There's a lot more things we want to get into in 14 and 15. But I want to point out just something kind of fun in here. As you're reading the Bible... You, you, it's important, like, if you, if you see something, you might go, well, that name sounds familiar. Um, you can do studies, you can get a concordance. Down in verse 2, and this is talking about when they were on the east side of the Jordan and all the campaigns, and so, so we got, oh yeah, this is 45 years before the writing, or not the writing, but, but, but when this is happening, talking about what Moses did. Verse 22, it says, the children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam the son of Beor, the soothsayer among those who were killed by them. And some of you might have said, I know there's a guy named Balaam somewhere in the Bible. And something about his donkey. 
right? Right? Balaam's donkey. And so Balaam is in the book of Numbers, and he was a kind of a prophet, a soothsayer, and, and the enemies of, of Israel wanted him to prophesy bad things over Israel. And so they would they hired him to come and prophesy bad things over Israel. And every time he came up to do that, he spoke blessing upon them. And because, you know, he just couldn't speak anything else. And so, but he was still evil in his heart, but he was moved upon God. And there was a time this, you know, he's going down and, and, uh, there's a there's an angel lord in the way and the donkey stops and the guy beats you know so anyways that's that's numbers 22 so Balaam is dead you uh huh yeah 45 years earlier this is back in numbers 22 so uh, chapter 14 at the end of end of uh, chapter 13 it talks about the half tribe of Manasseh and the in the land they got chapter 14 begins to be the land divided west of the Jordan and it says these are the heirs which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. When Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. This is the beginning. Of, going to, go ahead and go to uh, verse 6. This is uh, the beginning of where we see Caleb. Now remember, Caleb was one of the 12 spies. Caleb and Joshua were the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land. And they came back and says, it's a great land. We can do it. And the other spies says, not on our life. They're big. They're giants. They're the kids of the children of Anak. We're not going to make it. So now, 45 years later, verse 6, the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him that it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made my heart, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. One of the things you find about Caleb is you, that, that phrase here, wholly followed the Lord my God. And if you're, you know, pretty normal, you would go, well, that's not me. I've never wholly followed the Lord with all my heart. And we, we tend to look down on ourselves. We look at our failures. Caleb had failures too, but his heart was inclined to the Lord. It wasn't that he was perfect. It was that when he fell, he got back up again and he sought the Lord. He was a man like David, I think, a man after God's heart. He followed the Lord, even though he would have his failures, he got back up again. Now I want to talk a little bit about Caleb. You know, Caleb, you, you read these things and you go, okay, so Jephunneh and the, the Kenizzite, and you go, what does all that mean? There's a cool thing about Caleb. Caleb is not of the tribe of Israel. Caleb is a descendant of Esau. If you go back and read Genesis, when he's talking about the, the children of Esau, Kenaz was one of the, the, the descendants of, of uh, Esau. And so Caleb was not even an Israelite. He was actually an Edomite. And Jephunneh was actually probably one of the tribes of Israel. And his, he is probably adopted Caleb and Caleb's brother Othniel. And so we've got Caleb, who's a man of God, a man for God, wholly devoted and following God, who's not even an Israelite. Again, it shows God's grace and mercy that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a wonderful thing to us. He says he's looking out for anyone who will come and follow him, and he will use anyone. Caleb plays a huge part in Joshua, and he's not even an Israelite. And not only that, he gets his own portion of land in the land of Judah. And that should give us a lot of hope that God is never done with us, and he can redeem all of our situations and circumstances, no matter where we come from. 
just even just thinking of that Caleb. Now, Caleb is interesting. His name is interesting because names are not just names in the Bible. There's almost always a meaning behind it. Sometimes we don't know exactly where it was. So Caleb, yes, is his name. But let me tell you something about the possibilities of his name. Caleb, or something very similar to that, Caleb means dog. And so, but here he's a Gentile. He's an Edomite. He may have inherited that name when they adopted him. That could have been his name, Dog. You go, oh man, who wants to be called Dog? Unless you're a bounty hunter. So Caleb means dog, but but this is really really neat. Now we don't, you know, sometimes somebody gets a name and then later on they get another name, and you don't always know what their original name was or what their new name was. So let me just tell you another possibility of what Caleb means, and then tie them together. Um, there's a word in the Hebrew, kal, K-A-L, or it's cow, cowl, and it means all, and simply just all. And leb means heart. So, so it's possible he was named Dog, but he became the man who had all of his heart towards God. And, and, and you go, you know, and a, do and a dog doesn't even seem good, but you go, but a dog loves his master with all of his heart. With all of his heart. Dogs are just wonderful that way. They just, and so this picture of, of Caleb is that he loved God and wholly followed God with all of his heart. And so Caleb, 85 years old, he says, let's go down a little bit further, starting in verse 10. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And that helps, see, these things help us to give us a timeline. So it's 45 years later, 40 years in the, in the wilderness, five more years in the promised land. Here I am this day, 85 years old. I don't think we have anyone 85 today, we might. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going and out and coming in. And so give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be, it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So Joshua blesses him and gives Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. And so this is Caleb. He's like, I'm going to take what God has promised me. Don't ever give up on the promises of God that he's given to you. If they are from God, and they need to be biblical if they're from God, it needs to be something that lines up with the character and nature, because some people do think that they've been given a promise from God that's not. But if you've got a promise from God, you hold on to it, and even at 85, you say, God, if you'll go with me, I'll go in and conquer and take the promise that you have for me. Don't ever stop. Don't ever give up. He is not done with us, and he wants to bring us into the land that he has promised us. And so we see a, a great, great story in, in, uh, in chapter 14. Now, going into, into, into chapter 15, we start seeing the dispersion of the land for the, the tribe of Judah. Now, I'm not going to go and talk about all the places they get, and I'm not going to talk about all the tribes, but I want to point out one thing, that Judah means praise. Judah means praise. And so this is the very first part that gets the land. And he starts talking about all the borders. Um, Marissa, go ahead and put the colorful slide of, the, of Israel up. There's two. This one is a great one. So somebody took the time, and I've got one that's, that's more of a, a modern map, but it's harder to read, that has the dispersion. If you've got a, you probably have this in your Bible, but if you don't have a map, a Bible with maps, then this is kind of what, what when they go through the list, 
and they say from this land to this land to this land, these are the lands that they begin to get. Now I want to point out, the above the Dead Sea, that's the Jordan River that runs all the way up to the Sea of Galilee up there. That's the Jordan River. So the east side is what the two and a half tribes got. Gad, Reuben, and, and they call it East Manasseh here. That's a mighty big land for this, the three. And then on the, on the west side of the Jordan River are all the other tribes in the land that they have. Um, and, and we'll bring out some of these things in just a minute. So Judah gets this whole land. And we'll find out Simeon later in, in, uh, in a couple chapters. They get their land in the middle of Judah's land because what Judah got was actually too big for Judah. And so they gave Simeon some land right in the middle. And the way they gave the land was actually casting lots, which is like rolling the dice. It was, it was a way that they did that in the Old Testament, but they believed the hand of God would move upon, and so they would, they would cast the lots. And so these are the lands that each one they get distributed along the way. And, and you know, Jerusalem would just be a little bit below Dan, right, towards, you know, towards the middle up, up there. So, so they, the first part of, of chapter 15 is just drawing the border. From this city to this city to this city, and all of that area is what Judah gets. But we want to go back out down to 13, chapter, verse 13. We go back to Caleb. Caleb's of the house of Judah, though he was grafted in, he was probably adopted in. And he says, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, um, he gave a share among the children of Judah. He was given a share according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. And so he, took, he gets Hebron. Verse 14, he drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. And I think it's great that these were the same groups of people that they were afraid of going in and conquering the land over. And it takes one tribe to dispossess them. And all of the tribes were afraid earlier that they could not dispossess them. Interesting. Now, real quick, um, well, let me go a little bit further here. Uh, he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber, and Caleb said, He who attacks Kirjath Sephron takes to him, I will give Aksa, my daughter, as wife. We don't do that very often anymore. You know, nobody says, hey, if anyone goes down to Stater Brothers and gets me a six-pack of Mountain Dew, you can have Madeline. I'm never going to say that. Twelve-pack of Mountain Dew is minimum. But that's what they would do. They would, they would set up these, these things. And so, so here Caleb, he says, if anyone wants, you know, to marry my daughter, he goes, he goes and attacks this group. And so, Again, this is something that doesn't happen very often here, but might happen more often in the south. No south joke, kid. Just kidding. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. So, so Caleb's brother, younger brother, says, I'll do it. And he goes in and he conquers everything and he takes Caleb's daughter as his bride, which means that she's married to her own uncle. And... Caleb's daughter now becomes his sister-in-law, and there's a song in there somewhere that somebody's going to be married to their own grandpa. But it, it, just anyways, it says, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, now the brother of Caleb. But Caleb was the son of Jephunneh, and his brother's the son of Kenaz, and it's not because they have different moms, because he is still called the Kenizzite. This is drawing that connection to, yes, Othniel and Caleb both came down and they were grafted in to the children of Israel. So now Othniel's married to Caleb's daughter. Um, but, but something about Othniel is, is interesting. Go, in the book of Judges, the first judge of Israel is Othniel. And you'll find Othniel is a mighty man of valor and a fighter. 
and someone who does a lot for the Lord. So his name's going to come up a little bit um, in the future. And so that's um, part of chapter 15. Anyways, we're going to go on. These is where, this is where the chapters that kind of go, oh, what are we talking about? Talks about all the cities, which one gets uh, distributed. Go to verse 63 in chapter 15. And actually, I've already passed, passed a verse, but, um, but I'll, I'll read this one first and then go hit the other ones. In ver chapter uh, 15, it says, As for the Jebusites, talking about the land of Judah and who, was, who they were getting, As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Go back three chapters to chapter 13, verse 13. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gershurites or the Maacathites, but the Geshurites and the Maacathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. Go to chapter 16, which we're going to start here and just talk a couple things in 16, verse 10. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced labor. God bless you. Chapter 17, verse 12. The children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. These are four different scriptures, four different accounts of what Israel did not or could not or would not completely get rid of the people of the land. And we find out um, in times forward that these are the same people groups that keep coming back and bringing the poison of other gods into Israel's mix. Now there's a couple of messages in here that are really important for us to get. One, we need to completely, completely drive out sin. We need to be serious about doing all to get rid of those things that are causing sin in our life. We need to take it seriously and not just dance around. You know, when we come to the Lord in our walk with Him, there's times that the Lord begins to talk to us about certain areas of our life. When He says, it's time for you to give this up, you need to give it up. And you need to do everything to get rid of those things that the Lord is telling you to, to get rid of. Now, there are some things in, in our life that aren't necessarily sin. But for you, God wants it. And he knows why. Some other people might be able to do some of the things that God uh, deals with you on. God de deals with me on things that maybe he wouldn't deal with you. And God deals with you things that maybe he wouldn't deal with me. But when God is talking to you to get rid of these issues in your life, don't play around with it. Utterly destroy it. Completely get rid of it. Or it will come back in your life and it will bring you down and we will have that struggle ongoing in our lives and we want to make sure that we are faithful to the lord and this is this is where some of us i mean we we just have to be really careful that what, what's on your computer the things we watch you know don't don't play around with the things that god is telling you to get rid of utterly destroy and we find that the israelites did not could not would not at times completely get rid of the people. Sometimes it was fear, sometimes it was disobedience, and it caused a problem. But there's another part in this that's true. There are sins in our life that you will always battle with. They will be a thorn in your flesh forever. I, sh I should say at least the temptation, the discouragement that comes, and we need to know that there's going to be things in your life that you're going to have to be on your guard against all the time from coming in 
And so we need to always be alert. The Bible says, be alert. that Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a lion looking for whom he may devour. You know, there are things in our life that, that just are going to keep coming back. And that's why we have one another. That's why we be careful of the things we do and what we say and where we go and what we watch because these things want to lay hold of our lives. Alcoholism, uh, you know, alcohol for some, drugs for others, pornography, these things can linger around and you can be completely free of them for years and years and find yourself years later being tempted in such a powerful way. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we never put our guard down. We never say it's, it's okay. I can go ahead and start flirting with that thing again. I think I'm over it. We stay away and we, we stay alert. That's an encouragement to all of us because the Lord, he's, he wants to have us have victory in our life. And so we, we can see here there's, there's times that we need to completely, everything we can do to destroy them. But even then, sometimes we find out that you destroy them from your life, but they want to creep back in from other places. And this is what we find in Israel too. They would actually clear a place and, and move on to the next area. And while they were moving on to the next area, people would come back and resettle in the same land they just took. Sound familiar? You know, you get victory in an area of your life, and then next thing you turn around and, and, and the things are trying to move back in and take your life back away. we got to be on guard, on guard all the time. Let's go to chapter um, 17. Like I said, we're, we're just touching these really quickly. So in chapter 16, the allotment was the, for Ephraim and, and what they're calling West Manasseh. Ephraim, now, Ephraim and Manasseh were the children of Joseph. He wasn't, they weren't part of the children of Israel. Joseph, who was a child of Israel, Jacob, he gave his portion to his two sons. So Manasseh gets a huge portion on the, on the east side of the Jordan, and half of the tribe of Manasseh goes to the west side of the Jordan, along with Ephraim, and they get another inheritance. And look at West Manasseh is really big. Ephraim's is a little bit smaller. Uh, actually, you'll find in, in chapter 16 that among, along the area that Ephraim has, which isn't real big, he got some cities in West Manasseh that actually belong to Ephraim. You can't, you can't see it on there, but it's right here in, in chapter 16, uh, verse 9. And so this is the land that they get, and then we find that they're not happy. Verse 14, chapter 17. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? Whiner babies. Whiner babies. Why have you only given us this? We're a great people. You should give us more. I love Joshua's response. If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. That land is not enough for them. Dan, Benjamin, Issachar, they had the same amount of people. And they're settling in their little lands, and they're saying it's just not enough. Well, in other words, the mountain's kind of hard to settle and it's kind of on the mountain. That's not, we don't want to live there. We want to live in the valleys, but we can't live in the valleys because they're, they have iron chariots and we can't fight them. God parted the Red Sea and 
crossed the Jordan and he knocked down the walls at Jericho and he made the sun stand still, but we can't do this. Now we can. What is God calling you to? Oh, I can't do that. I know he's calling you to volunteer in the children's children's speak, but I don't know karate. <laughs> you can do it. You are more than able. Let's not be whiner babies. Let's let's say, God, what are you calling? What do you what do you want me to do? And they're not even wanting to go and take the land. And we're going to find even it's in 1718. Joshua rebukes the people. He says, why haven't you taken your land yet? Because they're sitting back. They've got that that attitude that some some of us have and some people that we see, you know, maybe it's the, the welfare attitude that says, oh, just take care of me. Just take care of me. He says, no, go and possess that which I've already given to you. Don't complain about the iron chariots. Don't complain about the things that you think are too hard for you. You can do it. If God is promising you, he will lead you through it. You can leave your life of sin. You can be free from any bondage that's holding you back. Step forward and walk into the promise of God. They're also comparing themselves to others here. This is, this is a number of messages in this little chapter. Well, all the other people, we don't have enough land. And What has God given to you? What has God told you? See, all of us in here, if you, if you were to look around, you can tell, you could really start saying that God has given each and every one special gifts, and their gifts aren't your gifts. God has also given everyone in here certain burdens to carry, and they're not your burdens. Have you ever looked at somebody and says, I don't know how you can, can walk through this difficult time in your life. I think these burdens would kill me. And you know what? The truth is they would. Because they're not your burdens. God will give you a special grace to walk through the things you have to walk through. So we don't compare ourselves in the bad and we don't compare ourselves in the things that we think we want. Well, I like their gift better. How come they get the money? How come they get these things? No, God has given you what he wants you to have. And the things he's given you will be enough to go through the trials and the tribulation and difficulties that you have. Stop comparing yourself to others and look to him and say, God, did you tell me that I could take the iron chariots out? I'll take the iron chariots out. They're no match for you, my God. Now, I want to want to bring something back about um, Caleb real quick because it's important. It says that Caleb drove out the sons of Anak, and he, you know, he, na he named the three sons of Anak. Go to go with me to Joshua chapter, or I'm sorry, Judges chapter one, just just real quick. In Joshua, it says that Caleb drove them out, and it reiterates it here in Judges chapter one. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let's go in in uh, verse verse nine. Now remember, uh, Caleb's part of Judah. And if you were reading this and not had just done your study in Joshua, you would almost think this was another battle. Afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. Then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba. That's the place that, that Caleb was at. Okay? And they killed 
Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. These are the same three sons of Anak that Caleb drove out. And now it says, well, Judah killed them. He says, well, did Caleb kill them? You know what? Caleb drove them out. I think they, they escaped. They left the land. I think they came back or they didn't leave far enough. And so the tribe of Judah, now you look at Judah, Judah's big. Okay, so Judah gets the whole area. Caleb gets just his little area that's going to be his land. And he drives the people out from his land and they, and they go to the other lands of Judah. But Judah doesn't drive them out. What does Judah do? Killed them. Judah killed the three guys, the three sons of Anak. In verse 10. And they killed Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai. You know, sometimes we have a sin issue in our life. We have an issue in our life and we just displace it. We push it away. But it's still out there. It's haunting us and it wants to get us. But Judah will kill it. What does Judah mean? Praise. Praise will kill your enemy, not just displace it. When you begin to praise God and praise Him for who He is and put Him in the right place of your life, he will, the praise will begin to come in and utterly destroy that which wants to come against you. You know, we're so negative, we're so worried, we're say, we speak all of these things and instead we turn around to praise to God. God, I thank you that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that I'm more than a conqueror, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper because you are my God. You are my chief. You are my healer. You are my provider. We begin to praise him and all the power of the enemy in our life is not just pushed away. It becomes destroyed. That should make us happy. That should give us something to focus our life on and becoming a people of praise. Amen. I think it's awesome. Keep doing the study this week. Keep, keep, doing, keep reading the Word. And so we, we begin to, to move on in 18 and 19. It's just the remainders of the lands that are, are given out. Verse 3, chapter 18. This is going to be our, our closing verse. It's a challenge. Don't take it as a, as a beat down. Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your father has given you? And then he says, pick out some people, go and walk the land. We're going to mark it out. We're going to, we're going to put this thing out and you are going to go get it. How long will you neglect to take the land which the Lord your God has given you? Church, that needs to be the cry that God would speak to us. How long are we going to neglect to take the things that God has already given to us? He's given us maybe your neighbors and he's been putting it on your heart for years to just go and witness to them and you just know, God, I just don't know what to say and I just can't do that. How long will you neglect to do the things that God is bringing you into, to step into the healing that God wants to bring you? Maybe you're dealing with something of unforgiveness from something a long time ago. And every time the thought comes up, you just go, I just can't go there. How long will you neglect to give you? God wants to bring you in to the land he has promised to you. It comes with healing and life and joy. Step into the things that God has for us. We need to do those things in our life more and more and step in and say, God, I'm ready. And he says, begin to scope it out because we're going to allot the land. And the land is going to be dispersed. 
if you'll go in and take the land. And I think every one of us in here know that there's areas in our life that God is wanting us to step into, to take, to get control of. Now, here's the awesome thing. He didn't say, how long will you neglect to go and possess a land that you have to earn yourself and that you want to give yourself? He says, the Lord gave it to you. And we know that he goes before us, that he fights the battles. But as much as he fights the battles, he needs us to be willing and to go in and do our part and step forward and begin to do the things he's calling us to. Let's not compare ourselves to others. Let's not be the whiner babies. Let's trust the Lord that, that the lot he has for us has fallen in a good place. You know, some of these lands were harder to, to take. There were, there were some more mountains. And, but let's trust the Lord that he has got a good lot for us. Say, God, thank you for what you've given me. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. God, it's really easy to, to be disheartened at times. It's easy to complain. It's so easy to look at others in the way that you've maybe blessed somebody else that we feel that we should have been blessed in that same way. God, I pray that even as we're going through Joshua, Lord, I pray that you would begin to help us to see that you have something for us, that as we're faithful, we'll walk into the inheritance, the promise that you have. God, that we might be a dog, we might be a Caleb who's outside of the was outside of the kingdom of God, and maybe there was nothing in us that said that we should be able to be part of your inheritance, but you said no. No. I love you, and you love me with all of your heart, and you will inherit the same things. God, maybe we're fearful of the iron chariots in our life. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, even as the beginning of Joshua has commanded us to be strong and courageous, that you will be with us wherever we go. God, that we would not let your word depart from our mouth. God, we would meditate on it. We would know that you have a plan and a purpose for us, God. Father, help us to not just sit back and complain, but to say, God, I may be 85 years old, but I have plenty of strength to go up the hill and to take whatever you're giving to me. We know that you have a plan for each and every one of us in this room to walk in the things that you've called us to walk in and that you will be with us and your Holy Spirit will be in us and will guide us. God, right now I pray that you would be speaking to each of our hearts, showing us the things, the steps that you want us to take to walk into the promises you have for us. God, and I thank you that the land is a land that's rich it's overflowing it's a land flowing with milk and honey it's a land full of the great goodness of god almighty that when we walk in that we'll see the deliverance of our god and the faithfulness of you towards your people god we pray that we'd be a, a people of praise a judah would praise you for everything and watch our enemies utterly destroy, be utterly destroyed. God, free us for those right now this morning, God, battling with addiction. Whether it's addiction to alcohol or to food or to drugs or to perfection or pornography. 
God, I pray that you would set us free. Completely set us free from the giants. Utterly destroy them in our lives, God. Set us free and cause us to walk into all that you have us have in store for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.